Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Jonathan Pierce. Harry Kendall has jumped in and seen a kung fu kick. A man. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And... Friends. <laughs> JP. The mad side of genius. And T. Good to meet you, love. The Football Friendly. Welcome, everybody, to JP and T, the Football Friendly. Uh, we'll be reflecting on the Women's World Cup in just a couple of moments. But, Terry, we have a very, very special guest. Oh. Hello, Mr. Bob Mills. Yay. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Terry. Hello, hello, hello. And as our guest, is there anything you want to say before we start? Uh, if anyone's never heard Jonathan Pierce doing his doing his job, I, I only have one example, and that was driving to a gig uh, on a cold, wet, horrible night in a in that in those days I've had a, I'd have had a poxy old secondhand Merc, but I had my radio tuned, and all I, I don't have any favourite uh, football commentators; they're all much of a muchness. But all that needed saying was that. Tottenham's midfield was a bit ropey. That's all that needed saying. There was a break, a goalkeeper was injured, and all that needed saying was Tottenham's midfield's a bit iffy today. But what was actually said was this. It's a blustery, blustery night here down at the lane. I'm looking up. High above us, the clouds are scuttering across from the marshes. Uh, maybe cumulus, maybe cirrus, don't know. Never paid enough attention at school when they were being explained <laughs> to me. There are many cultures, of course, that say that the clouds are represent the spirits of the recently departed, shuffling off this mortal coil to go to wherever one goes to after death. I don't know. There are many different opinions on this, and I would never impugn any person's political belief. All I would say is this, if they are the spirits of the dead, they're looking down on a very disjointed display about the Spurs midfield this evening. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that, you, uh... that has lived with me for boom, years boom, and years. Boom. That's so nice. That's so nice. Can I just, I need that at the moment as well, because just for anyone listening, I'm going to be a little bit off today, guys, because uh, um, number seven vertebrae is broken because uh, someone decided they were still 16 and went up a a haystack uh, and fell 
quite a few feet and was rushed to hospital. So um, that's why also I have half a chamois over one of my glasses because I'm concussed and have double vision. <laughs> so that's why I did the weekend. But I got to watch some fantastic football. So I think we should cut to that straight away. Jonathan, well, you no, just, many just games. Sorry, sorry. Just I know you went you cut out. to that. Just before you cut to that. <laughs> please, please tell me that as you were leaving, a major surgeon who spent years and years training uh, to, to become the best in his field ran down the corridor and said, oh, Terry, sorry, I didn't ma- I should imagine before you go. If you've got if you've got a chamois, just stick it over one of the lenses <laughs> yeah. of your glasses. That's exactly what yeah. I've done. I'd have to take a photo and put it on Twitter. And, and, uh, probably, and probably not drive home from here, Terry. <laughs> no, I can't drive. Yeah, I slightly am slightly worried about my vision, but apparently it can take up to two weeks. So that's snow driving, nothing for me. But uh, the worst thing, I'll tell you what the worst thing, was I bit my tongue, man? Oh wow! So it's God. It's it's not been funny, but we've got to make. It's fun. not funny. <laughs> but listen, I mean, you know, they're all the jokes, aren't they? It was the final straw, the one that broke Terry's back and all that. But uh, anyway, but it was great to watch the football the weekend. Jonathan's, uh, you you were doubled up the uh, weekend on commentaries. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a normal weekend for me. I normally do the match the day on the Saturday and then a French league game on the Sunday. And, of course, uh, so I was at Tottenham against Manchester United on the Saturday. And, Tottenham uh, again? Tottenham, Tottenham centre, second half of very good Manchester United were feeble, feeble. And Eric Ten Hag afterwards said to me he thought they created the better chances. <laughs> don't know don't know what game he was at, but uh, they, were very, they were very weak in that Let second half. Let me ask half. you a question. Worrying, so. That's two weeks now you've interviewed the Australian manager. I can't remember his name, forgive me. Ange Postacoglu. Thank you, because I can't say it, and I knew you'd be able to. Very um, impressive. You know they always go about Eddie, 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 how move your teeth, right? Yep. How about yep. he looks at you? <laughs> he just looks, oh, he looks at the down, floor, doesn't he? He's he really, really, what's it called? What's, what's that, that, Bob? That's uh, that's uh, insecurity, that, isn't it, when someone's looking down? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think so. He must feel, for all he's achieved, though, it must be a weird thing for him to be suddenly mm. be managing in the in the Premier League. It, it, yeah, it, I'm yeah, sure think... he's full of confidence. I'm sure he has a great inner confidence, but it must be strange. I'll tell you what he's done, Bob. He's, he's um, that that place was rocking on Saturday, and and mm. last year last year it was like a. I don't know. It was like a football cathedral without a, without an mm. audience, without anyone in there, the congregation. Yeah. And then yesterday or Saturday, it was just brimful of of just noise and and I tell you, it was brimful of joy. They yeah. went there. They, they, the Tottenham fans have just been waiting for something to happen for them. And 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 I, and I think he's leading this. You know, at Brentford the previous week, he got the players before kickoff, not afterwards, not after the game results. No, he got them before kickoff to go to the away fans, the Tottenham fans in the corner. I hadn't seen that before at Spurs. Mm. He's, he's just brought in different things, and uh, there's just, um, I don't know, there's a sense of optimism about the place. But I have to put it in context that Manchester United were feeble, and Eric Ten Hag, you know, he can blame his players or this and that and say they didn't get decisions. But if he's going to play one holding midfield player in Casemiro, he's got trouble because he needed he, help he, in there. He, the way they're playing is, <clears throat> can you hear me? Am I allowed enough? Yeah, 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 you're uh, fine. Sorry. Um, I, I think he's really, really changed their gameplay this season from what they were playing last year. It seemed like he carried on from what they were doing, uh, you know, after everyone had been in charge of Manchester United. And this season, he's tried to stamp his thing. And they're playing in such a different way, which is, in my, I think, boring. Well, he's playing Rashford through the middle, Rashford wants to play on the left-hand side. He's playing one holding midfield player, the the for me, Anthony postures like a world beater, but mm. he's, he doesn't. He you know flatters the deceiving God. Actually, was not ready enough. And Rashford through the middle. That would have been like playing Laurie Cunningham at Leighton <laughs> Orient at centre back. Yeah, yeah, probably his statue that's that's famously outside and beautiful. <laughs> is he your? Is would he be your? Would he be uh, your greatest that you saw down there, Bob? Uh, well, here's an admission: I never saw Cunningham play for. Um, uh, for, for Orient, so I would certainly say he's one of the greatest players they've ever had there. Now, the greatest player, the, the greatest player I've, I ever saw down there, and I've, I've, I say this quite unashamedly, uh, was Alan Comfort. All right, uh, as he is now, the Reverend Alan Comfort, who had yeah. such a, tra- a tragic thing in his career where he got the big move and he went and and uh, got an injury, which now would be maybe three months out, but. Back then was game was you know career ended uh, ACT or whatever it was, uh, and then rebuilt his life as a vicar and 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 what have you. But in terms of, of pure 
skill, the ability to to get a football and just look ahead and think, there's only two of them, I can do that. (laughs) Yeah, lovely. That's that's a wonderful thing. Uh, So he he would be the the pound for pound the best that I've ever saw down there, yeah. You see, I never saw Laurie Cunningham. Let me let me tell you something. Sorry, I, yeah, I'm I'm not taking over. You you, you no, I'll, you do what you want. Again, it's all you about get, you today. Do what you want. It's all about you. Yeah. There's a very weird thing about me. I think Terry knows this. Jonathan probably doesn't. If I was to say to to you or to any guy of our, our sort of age, uh, I'm married. Been married a long time. Got two two lovely kids. Very happily married. Uh, when I was a younger man, I got uh, I got married when I was very young, and I was married for about three years, and that didn't work out, and I got divorced, and I'm now married for the second time with a very happy family. You would just then say, "Oh, okay," and move on to the next conversation. Mm-hmm. If I was to say to you, though, I have been passionately in love with two different lower league football teams and I move from one to the other your immediate thing is yeah he's a wrong gun <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not if the yeah. team went bust <laughs> because because uh, but that's what happened to me I, I grew up in the north of England and I, was, I grew up in Chester and I supported Chester until I was 16 and then when I was 16 I moved to London and I could no longer I couldn't afford to go back and forward to Chester so I, I adopted a new football team and so for the last 44 years i've been a, a, a fan of lake norian but I, I i joined too late to see um to see cunningham play i think to be fair bob i think a lot of people at school were liverpool fans at first you know of our generation or manchester united and yeah, they, they yeah. then changed and went oh i'm gonna watch my local club so i don't think you're alone there <laughs> I think you're fine. I, I think I think I've commentated on Chester at three different grounds. The original one, which I think Sealand Road, Sealand Road, Road. Moss Rose. You would have done when they yeah, were the when field. they went there, and then and then the the, the new one. Um, yeah. So I think I've commentated on them over the years. I played that, the new one. Have you? Yeah. Have yeah, you? Yeah, long, quite a while back. Yeah, it's a little, you're tiny not, little you're ground not, actually. You're not going to be playing soon, sorry. I, I don't I know. Don't, I will not, never I, is be that bad news for you now? Is again. that bad news for you now? To Jonathan, I will never. It's, it's hilarious. We're South End have been in trouble and we've had no goalkeepers and whatever, and the, the, the nightmare that's been going on there. The amount of people that tweet me going, you better get your gloves on. I'm like, I'm 52. <laughs> you can't be joking. We've got to be hard up. There's probably some kid playing Sunday League that can go and go. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so your love affair started with Chester. Well, it did, yes, and and it was a, it was a great love affair. I loved it. They, they were a fabulous side, but then they got to the semi-finals of the League Cup. Of course, where, where Villa beat them by one goal. Um, we had lovely runs in different things, and it was a magical. Uh, it's where I fell in love. None of my family have any interest in football, which is really strange because my my uncle, uh, I have an uncle who played for for Great Britain in the Olympics. Uh, when back uh, in the in the the London Olympics after the war, my, my uncle Eric, yeah, my uncle Eric Lee uh, played in the in the Matt Busby managed GB team. In that, it was a, there was a, there was a whole book about it. Hmm. But none of my family were interested in football. I, I had a stepdad and and. Uh, a nice, lovely guy, but they had no interest in football. So I, I, my friend and I just used to go, just the two of us. Uh, no one at school was really into it either, to be honest. Uh, and so my love affair started then. It, it, and that is that is why, even to this day, I, I don't like going to big football matches. I, I don't like going to Wembley. I don't like, I've been to, been to most of them, been to Old Trafford, been to the Emirates, and I never feel comfortable. Hmm. I think if you, if you grow up on, on fourth division football, that's your place. I totally, totally, totally agree with you on that. I totally agree. You feel like you're part of something as well. What was that brilliant thing? We did a charity uh, do the other night for South End. Um, Jonathan and Bob kindly turned up, and he did this great thing. Great thing. What was that? That wonderful thing you said about Chelsea being a lower league fan and being well, yeah. Uh, there is, there, there, yeah. There's a Freemasonry of, of lower league football, which is, of course, we support. Uh, well, I support the Orient, so of course, I hate Southend with the vengeance. However, <laughs> however. I do know every day of my life that they're, but for the grace of God, you know, that yeah. every lower, whether you're Gillingham, Southend, whoever you are, you, you're aware of the fact that you're part of a, a subsection. And right. we think of a, an even better subsection. And my thing is that 
there'll be another Gulf War at some point. It's already happened with Russia and their money uh, suddenly being cut off. So all this, these, these big, you know, these huge conglomerates, Man City, it will all come crumbling down. Football will eventually, pop like pop, will eat itself. But uh, I think the yeah the 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 illusion I made was that the one creature that will remain after any nuclear holocaust will be the cockroach, <laughs> and uh, and we should pride ourselves, lower league supporters, of being the cockroaches of football. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I tell you what, as well, the the lower league fan thing we've got as well. If you think you support a big club, and Jonathan can comment on this because to be fair, you know you've been in the lower leagues, even though your club is Bristol City, it's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, if you think you are the supporter of a big club and you have these rows involved, no, our club's much bigger than your club. Well. You'll find out if you draw a little club in an FA Cup and see how many of us turn up. That's mm. <laughs> so you'll know. Yeah. I, 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 um... It wasn't that long ago, quickly as well, that not many people would turn up for Tottenham. So, you know, not that long ago. No. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, let, let's just, uh, I'll just mention about Bristol City because you mentioned them. I was there when they went top of the first division. I was working with my, my dad, we were filming the games for. Uh, I've said it many times on the podcast for for video analysis. We're the first club that ever did it, and I was there at Arsenal in 1976 when they won the opening game of the season. Paul Cheesy got the goal. We were briefly top in the land for that day, and then uh, about seven years later, maybe six years later, I was there when they lost at Rochdale, and I was working for Radio Bristol then, and they went 92nd in the land, and they'd gone top, second, third, fourth, bang, 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 bang. It was awful. We went to Rotherham in a League Cup tie, and I, and I was there, and uh, they, this was the first year they just come out of the top flight, right? And uh, and we went out very early season League Cup tie, and I went on the pitch with the players before, and the, and it was like this swagger, yeah, we're you know, hang on a minute, you know, we got Norman Hunter there and Peter Cormack, well, I think Norman had gone by then, but you know, big big players, Joe Royal, and oh, we'll be back, we'll be back, you know, who are you, who are you, R- 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 who Rotherham, Rotherham, anyway, <laughs> and then three years later they were looking down on us from a mighty height. <laughs> so um, and when you talk about their the, the non-league teams, what I'd be interested in is comparing, and I'm not having a go here, but it's something that the WSL need to address. And on the back of the World Cup, having reached mm. the final, we'll talk about that in a minute. The WSL have to address this because they're getting big financial push from the FA. If Take away from when they play at the, the, at the Premier League grounds, the, the, uh, the parent clubs, when they play at, say, Chelsea at Kings Meadow and so on, how does that WSL conglomerate attendance match the attendance of the National League? Because I think you'll be shocked. Mm. And and yet they're getting a lot of funding and it's something they need to address. They need to stand on their own two feet now and really push <coughs> Correct. Push on as a league. Well, that's my opinion. And that's not having a go. What did you make of the World Cup, Bob? The women's I've, World Cup? Uh, yes, I did. I, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I watched England play uh, women or men. I, I agree with with you. I, I had a very interesting conversation with Emma Hayes uh, when when I was working for for a radio station. She she was a guest on it. And she she's a very very good thinker on the game, and she she made it plain that there was there was a slight worry amongst some of the people involved in the game about how quickly this was all happening, and that. In the natural run of events, it should take. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, it's happened too quickly because you know it was illegal until the seventies. So God bless them for for getting this far. But her thing was, if you go that fast to this point with the lionesses, you you are making the gap bigger and bigger. You are stretching if you're not bringing the people the, the lower uh, regions of the game with you, then you will eventually. You, and I think she likened it to the to the, one of the many many in the seventies and eighties when America decided that they were going to have soccer, and bought Beckenbauer and bought paid men. and they're, they're doing it again Saudi Arabia but doing it now. And what you build is this this uber cliche at the top of top players, and this is so exciting, but you, you that that can't survive. No. Unless it unless it's a pyramid, it can't survive because there's no strength at the bottom of it. So I would worry slightly about that, just just as you do. But the, yeah. I, I guess now isn't the time. It, it's it because they've done, you know, they've done a wonderful thing and they've inspired a nation. And there are now literally millions of young girls saying, "I now want to be a footballer," and, and, yeah. and that's fine. But it's it, 
in the long term, I'm, I'm hoping that within the women's game, there are minds that are thinking, okay, hang on a minute. We have to, there has to be a lot of planning now. If we're suddenly getting in rush of funds and that, that has to be spread around a little bit more. Because you're exactly right. And it's not even just in, in the women's game, in the men's game. The National League, when we were in it, there were crowds there that you wouldn't see in if you moved down to the second level in, in France, Germany, or Italy even. There were, there were crowds. So it's such, you know, you, you, you've got to build from the bottom. Yeah, well, that's exactly true. At home, as we get we get between five and seven thousand. Also, <clears throat> we're in the National League South End, and also let's not forget AFC Wimbledon when they made their rise to coming back, right down in the Ishmian leagues and what have you. You know, they were turning up, they were turning up to all that games with like two thousand, three thousand people. Mm. So yeah, it's very true. I think this World Cup's done. Fantastically well for the, the game, and and uh, and uh, I know the king has come on board now and said, you know, the legacy of these players will never be forgotten. I just, I just want them move them to move beyond this legacy thing now. You know, it's set up. They've done that. They, they'll never be forgotten. The legacy is there, but now move on. You know, let's not talk mm. about legacy so much. Let's start winning things. They won the European Championship and they came close here, but they weren't good enough in the end against Spain. Mm. Spain were a much better team, and Spain <clears> have invested. At club level, much better than we have. And, uh, you know, they're Barcelona's and Real Madrid's. These are getting huge crowds. That's why they can afford the Lucy Bronzes of this world, the best players mm. in the world, because they pay more wages than WSL. You know, I've been told that by a top WSL manager. So we've just got to get on board a little bit like the Spanish have. They're under 17 world champions. They're under 20 world champions. Mm. They progress this, you know, and they were the better team. I think the World Cup has done fantastically well. And, uh, you know, you see girls now playing in the parks, in the streets, which you never saw before, really. And and it's, it's all brilliant. It's not helped. It's not helped by a man who wears uh, probably a $1,000 suit up on the podium with white trainers on. The president of FIFA... Yeah. spouting on all the time. Oh, this is brilliant. This is great. This is the best ever. This is the best ever. Look, he's involved every couple of years, every four years or whatever. The football now in in Bulgaria, women's football in Bulgaria, In is he checking on that in the next couple of years? Or mm. women's football in Zambia, is he checking on it? I doubt he will be. I doubt he'll be that interested. In. It's got to be a constant thing. They've got to be constantly developing. And it's not. it's not... You know, a circus every four years. It's got to be more sensible than this. And seeing him up there and seeing him wanting to be in the photograph with the referees, I'm sorry. You know, that's not his role. And there's other things to address in the game. I mean, how can the president of the Spanish FA kiss one of their players, full kiss on the lips? Yeah. And, and, and clearly startled her. Yeah, it's startled weird that, isn't it? He wouldn't be kissing yeah. the men, would he? No. Well... <laughs> I don't know. Well, he could. I mean, that's no, there's no well, problem there. But the I mean, president, the president of RFA, future king of the land, kissed I don't know John Terry on the lips or whatever. FA Cup on it did create a stir, wouldn't it? And uh, <laughs> what sh- what thought that would be? But anyway, um, you know, I don't know. I've I've, I've we got to move on now, any from the women's World Cup. Well, exactly, on. and I think, and I I really think there are enough minds within the women's game who are, who are thinking along those lines, who are thinking, yeah, let's not get carried away. Let's not just be a big thing once every two years with the European Championships and the World Cup. Let's be a constant big thing. Let's, let's, let's be aiming not to, to win the World Cup every four years at European Championships. Let's, let's, let's be aiming to have 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 every week at, at, every, at these grounds you know, and build up, uh, build up from there because that—that's the future. Is people coming every Saturday and every Tuesday to watch the game? Because surely, uh, yeah, surely, Bob, it'd be beneficial as well. You know, I know they're going to play more games now at the parent grounds this season than they ever have done before. But, you know, playing it after a men's game, playing it before a men's game, you then occupy the stadium for longer. You've got yeah. more revenue coming into your bars. Mm. For me, this is a no-brainer. But yeah. look. I think I think they did. I think Carter was brilliant. Greenman was brilliant. The goalkeeper Marriott's. What a story that is! Because she James, had such a hard James time as well. James, you know these these are all 
these are all fantastic stories. The, the Lauren James one, I would say, that Terry people, oh, look, they had to overcome a problem when Lauren James was sent off. She got herself sent off. Mm. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, did. oh, look, look, Leah Williamson, oh, they, you know, they didn't have Mead. No, they but didn't. Lauren James, Spain, Spain she, didn't have she, 13 players. She's a good footballer, man. You yeah, know, she is. I'm going to say something you can't say in this world anymore. She plays like the fellas. So, I mean, she's a good footballer, man. She's strong and powerful and bright, and oh, I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> At its best, watching it at its best, and we saw some of the best uh, over this World Cup, women's football is a fabulous sport. I totally, absolutely agree with you. In the same way that women's tennis, I I liken it to women's tennis in that it's not the same as men's tennis. Of course it isn't. But at its best, it's an equally enjoyable sport. I totally agree. Lovely interplay football. Uh, No rolling around. None of that nonsense that goes on either. There's no gamesmanship going on. They get on with it. And uh, John, I thought was lovely as well. You know when, um, what was the name who cut her head open when she got elbowed? Sorry, Jonathan. My brain. In In the final. The, Sp- the Spanish player? No, the English girl. She was on the ground, wasn't she? Out left back. Oh, my. oh, Alex Greenwood. Thank you. I thought it was lovely that typical girls, don't shoot me girls, I'm, bit, I'm on your side. Where the girl, <laughs> they all rallied round, didn't they? They're going, quick, she needs a new shirt. Get her shorts on. They're all getting her dressed and everything. You know, imagine right. that being fellas. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't, she with the laws, they, that, they didn't want her to go off, because they so they brought the shorts and shirt on. I know, but if it was fellas, they'd just be going, there wouldn't be any of that going on. I no, just thought it was right. I'll tell you what, though. Here's, here's, one, here's one for you. When I first started doing the women's commentary, which is 10 years ago now, um, a very senior England player said to me at the time, um, do, do, do me a favour, will you, when you're doing the commentary, don't compare us to the men's game. It's the same rules of association football, but it's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. So there don't keep, don't compare us. And I think that's really important, you know, that people are, True. oh, but it's not, it's not as good as it, all this, all this. No, it's a completely different thing. But listen, let, let's, 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 uh, let's Can I just on. say on that before, because we're going to have to go to a break, but I just want to say one thing very quickly. And you, you know me, I don't. I really don't like coming down on people. I'm not that kind of person. You know, if no, you've got nothing good to say, don't say it. But I've got to tell you, Jonathan, and I know they're a colleague of yours, but I, it's the first time I've ever watched um, a final because I generally watch them on BBC. But I turned over, mate. I can't. I cannot be doing that, Robin girl. I cannot be doing her, mate. I'm sorry. She well, is. Look, absolutely, I, you can't say anything here. I know. No, I defend her. She she had a, she was ill. She had a problem with her oh, voice. Mate, she's not ill. She's awful all the time, Jonathan. Oh, and, oh, and, 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 look, she may be I'm, absolutely I'm gorgeous. Her. Look, look, look. She may be a lovely girl. But I'm sorry, man. I right. don't do people down, but I had to turn over. I could. I can't do it. I think they got twelve million, and ITV got about three. Well, so, she's, um, she's she's right, and I'm wrong. But I, I, I mean, no, Terry, it's not. It's not right and wrong. The thing is. If when you take again, uh, I I stopped listening to Alan Parry. Okay, now I've really? met Alan Parry. He's a perfectly nice man, and he's mm. a very knowledgeable man. But I could not bear his voice. I could not bear mm. his attitude, and I stopped listening. And that's I'm thinking. Do you know what it is? That's me. But that's great. I'll, t- yeah. I'll go on this yeah. side. I'll yeah. listen yeah. to this person. That, right. So it's fine. Yeah, so it's, it's my, not. It's my, it's my. It's my choice. It's only my choice. Yeah. So That's good right. luck to her. Good luck to her. And and I and I shouldn't. I shouldn't. But I, I can't. I can't. I just, well, it's just. It doesn't. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't. She goes, we all, anyway, we, forget it. We all. We all get. We all get. All commentators get hammered. I get absolutely slaughtered by in social media. And do you know what effect that has on me, Terry and Bob Mills? None. Absolutely none. Nothing. No. Good, Broad good. shoulders. No. Don't well, care. Well, can you imagine us, us two? We get kanged all the time. Yeah, I know. Listen, I want to. You just Take mentioned Alan Parry, Alan Parry there. The connection between <laughs> Alan Parry and myself and football. Talk about it after the break. JPT, the football friendly.
Welcome back, JP and T. Our special guest is Bob Mills. We mentioned hey. Alan Parry a moment ago. Now, a connection between myself and Alan Parry is Alan Parry's director of Wickham Wanderers. My granddad, Tom White, used to be manager at Wickham Wanderers just after the First World War. I loved him. Long Tom, I used to call him. His pictures up there at Wickham, Wickham Wanderers. And uh, I loved him. He was a bad one. He was, a, he was, a, he was naughty. And uh, he got nicked, right? He got nicked. He, nicked, he, he, he robbed the Christmas Christmas box. Not at Wickham Wanderers, but a company he was, used to work at. He was in charge of the Christmas box, right? Now, wrong person didn't trust him. With I, I, if I was alive box. at the time, I'd have said to them, "Look, you don't, you don't give him, don't give Long Tom this money." Anyway, so he's nicked any, and um, they they got him when the paddles when the steamers used to go off Brighton Pier to the continent, and it was Christmas. He was trying to because they realised there's no money now for the Christmas, so um, he's he, he, they caught him. <laughs> At the end of the pier, and the only it was nineteen twenty nine. The only reason they didn't bang him up is because my grandmother was pregnant with my mum, seven months pregnant, and she'd have ended up in the workhouse or something. So that's how long Tom stayed out in jail. Anyway, he was then disconnected from Wickham Wanderers for obvious reasons. But it, I he used to sit me on his knee in the Earl of St Vincent Pub. Uh, in a in a part of Wadebridge in Cornwall where I come from, and it's a place called Eglis Hale, tiny, beautiful, lovely, lovely old pub. Anyway, he used to sit me on the knee in this snug, and he used to let me sit from his Guinness, uh, which explains a lot. And um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and he used to tell me about Herbert Chapman's Arsenal because he was an Arsenal fan, and he used to mm. tell me all these great stories about these wonderful teams and Wolverhampton Wanderers in the nineteen fifties and Blackburn in the Cup final and all this sort of stuff. And uh, that's that's where it began. That's where the love began. You, Bob, you talked about earlier on, you know. That's where it began for me, and that's all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was be a footballer. And when I wasn't good enough, you know, this I'd be a commentator. But it was Long Tom in the snug of the Earl of St Vincent Pub in Eglisale, and he was a bad one. But I loved him to bits. I loved I him. To, I often talk about the three ages of the, the football fan. Uh, when you're young and you think, yeah, I'm going to be a player. I'm good. I'm the best player in this. I'm the best player in this playground. And then you, you get to about 15 and you think, oh, these kids are so much better than I am. And you give up on that. And then you, you, you compromise and you get on with your life and you do that. And then you, but in your twenties, you start thinking, I could do me badges. I could do me coaching. <laughs> I could do me coaching badges. I could come up through the ranks. I could manage this team. I could because I, I know more than these. I know more than Brush does or Tommy Taylor. Does. I could manage this team. And then that passes as well. And then suddenly in your forties, and you start doing, and the lottery starts, and you think. I could buy this club. He's <laughs> exactly right. One point six million. Oh, I could buy that club. Three lucky it's exactly numbers. Right. It's, it's exactly right. That's my. That was my path. That is continuing to be my path. Um, and I'll tell you one of the one of the best things that happened during lockdown was uh, you know we went on the Zoom didn't we and we met people and that got in contact with it. And the people I was when I was down at Bristol City when I was a kid and everything. A lot of those people have now come back. To communicate with them, people like David Mogg, you wouldn't know him. He was England uh, youth goalkeeper at the time. Uh, didn't quite make it. Bristol City went to Bath. And older players, um, Chance and Derek from the 1960s, people probably won't know him outside of Bristol. And all these people that, I've, that knew me when I was a little boy. And it's brilliant, you know. that The football community is, is just mm. unbelievable. And uh, mm. football fans, and there's nothing like it. I'm, I'm no, so, there's a whole, there's I'm so a whole privileged to have been involved, you know. Oh, there's a whole different conversation that we have, but it's always, it's one thing that, fa when I was working, I used to work for Talk Sport, and I was there just uh, from a fan's point of view. I never, and I never pretended I'd ever played any football I'd never had, although I did play at the old Seedland Rose Stadium when, when Cherry Grove won the uh, Cheshire Junior Schools uh, Cup final in a, against a team that included both the Futcher twins, but th th that was in the past. I move on from there. But, the thing that used to fascinate me is when footballers are talking off air and there's a there's this camaraderie and there's this thing and one of the things that, that I used to find the most whenever two players came on, I would always have quickly get on the computer and try and find something that linked them. And I would say at some point, Jim Wyatt do the proper interview and then I'd say, Do you do you remember playing playing for England uh, under seventeens? You played at Millmore. You played against Guyana at Millmore. And they said, yeah, I remember the game. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, here's the team that played. Do you remember? And almost without doubt, there would be a name that 
I didn't recognise, and they would both say, yeah, he was the one. That boy was the one. Phil Murdoch, he was the best player. Under 70, he was the best player I ever saw. Yeah. What happened? Oh, it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, lost interest, it's... moved away. And I, I, the, the thought that there are people out there yeah. who could have been, were that close to be, to be in it, but just, I don't know, something happens. They just moved on. I've read, that, I've read that in autobiographies before when they've gone about the, the player that was miles better than all of them and they just walked away from it. Who is it? I, I knew someone actually famously who hated playing football, couldn't stand it, but was really good. Who was it? It was someone at Tottenham. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. It was still Terry that told me about it. They hated the game, but they were just very good at it. Sorry, the, 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 sorry. The, there's the guy who, who used to talk sport, and he does, is it not not Kevin? He got an England cap really, really late. Oh God, we are so middle-aged men, aren't we? You know, thingy, him, the dude. <laughs> We're all trying to find out from each other. It's ridiculous. He's, he's still on television now. He does football <laughs> Wait, like middle-aged that. turns into a quiz, doesn't it? You know, you yeah. just get into a conversation, turns into a quiz. Right, he's on telly. <laughs> got two eyes. Billy, he's got, he's got a couple of legs. <laughs> Mar- Mar- married a woman, strange woman. She had half a beard. Anyway. <laughs> kept, kept guinea pigs. Had, had a garden. Had a, it was 50, 50, 50 acre ground full of guinea pigs. Anyway, anyway, anyway. He's dead. Anyway. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. I'll tell you what is interesting. We talk about this. If everyone, <laughs> everyone remembers the brilliant, the brilliant in bed with my dinner. Now, I'll say this because Bob will go, no, you can't say that. I'm going to say it. If you don't know in bed with my dinner, it's brilliant. Uh, if you know Harry Hill's burp, well, there you go. Okay, yeah. enough said. Right. Um, it would be brilliant to do in bed with my dinner football one, wouldn't it? Like low uh, well, and league and stuff. Oh, yeah, hilarious. Muggy uh, bonnets. No, I did two things. I did uh, the only I never had any money out of in bed with my dinner. It bless her. It was Janet Street Porter. Uh, do you remember when Telly started going on after midnight? Yeah. Because yep. it, it, it used to finish at 11, then it was midnight. And LWT, with Janet Street Porter there, bless her, they, they, she was put in charge of shows between 12 o'clock and midnight, uh, and 2 o'clock, which was the, the close down. And the rule was absolutely simple. If you had a good idea and you could do it for under a thousand pounds, you could have a slot. And so that's what we did with in, in bed with my dinner. Uh, so we never earned any money out of it, but I did get two little deals out of it. I did heroes and villains, uh, one of the European Championships, one of the World uh, World Cup, which were done in the style of of Medina, and, and they were quite good. But here's the thing about football and comedy, Terry, and I don't know mm. how you. I find probably it. already know this, but go on. But here's the really weird thing, John. Sometimes when I turn up at gigs, like the South End one we did in favour of South End, and funny enough, one I did last night, there were a couple of O's fans there, and they always say, "You're going to do some football stuff. You're going to do about the O's," and it's like the kiss of death. If you're a com- comedian and you're not at a football club dinner, is to talk about football mm-hmm. because there is no one who dislikes football. They either love it or they hate it. Mm-hmm. And if you start talking about it, half the audience should they could just they might as well walk out. They just complete. It doesn't matter how funny it is. No, we don't like football. We don't like people who talk about football, mm-hmm. and they completely turn off. Yeah, yeah, but in bed with me dinner football, it would be you picking out old f- footage of fans and stuff. That, I mean, that's the difference. I mean, you don't even have to be into football to to be getting that. I tell you, Jonathan, you don't know about Bob. You might, you, you might do, but he's a dark old horse. Because uh, I was watching a film. Who's is that dog? Who's is that dog? Oh, it's either mine or Jonathan's, but I think it's mine. Not mine. Mine are up. Mine are up for getting their hair cut. You're professionally my, got yours. Do you know out where my two dogs are? John, do you know where my no. two dogs are? They're at doggy daycare. Oh my oh, god! No. What are you like? What are you like? Doggy daycare. We've got the sold out, in. Bob Mills. <laughs> we, we've got builders in. We've got builders in, and they're they're going in and out oh, of the back garden. And the gates are being left open. So right. my dog got a doggy daycare. Really, hundred and twenty quid a week. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. Oh my god, me back. Let me just finish this very quickly. But I was watching this film, right? 
and I, I've known Bob for, for so many years, and I know all the work he's done. Anyway, I started watching this film called Pierpoint, right? And it's a phenomenal film, okay, Jonathan? And it yeah. stars the brilliant Timothy Spall, who's unbelievable in it. And it's about the last hangman, basically. Yeah. And it's a one, do you know, you know this, do you? I know. Anyway, the credits Alfred come up. Alfred Pierpoint, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, written by Bob Mills. I nearly fell off my seat. And I've run him up straight away going, you didn't write this, did you? Mean? Yeah. And I went, wow, I never. And that, so people out there listening... If you want to watch an amazing film that you didn't know Bob Mills had written, it's absolutely phenomenal. So we've, we've had this idea for this film. I was working at... Uh, Granada started making films, and I was working at Granada, and they said... And I said... Uh, and Oh, they said, Ray Winston wants to do a film for us. Go and see him and see if you can pitch something. So we went to Ray Winston's house and we went in his kitchen first and then we went down his garden to his pub. Did he have the pub then? He had the pub, Yeah, he's got the pub, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Jonathan, you'd love his pub. It's insane. He's got a proper boozer in his garden. Yeah, even to the point with the Perspex thing over the sandwiches. You blow your mind. you, You can't believe it. But go on, sorry, Bob. But we're talking about various ideas and he's not interested really in any of them. I haven't got anything. And then right at the very, very end, for some reason... Albert Pierpoint's name come up, and he said, oh, I'm fascinated with him. And I said, well, we've wasted the last hour then because I'm fascinated with him. Well, and I was, and I'll tell you, I was fascinated with Albert Pierpoint very, very quickly, Jonathan, for one reason. When I was growing up up north, I saw him on Look North. Bill Grundy and Brian Redhead used to present a show called Look North. And they, they, they had one of the debates that they have every 20 years or so about bringing back capital punishment, you know, that it's flared up. And he was one of the speakers. And they spoke to all these people, politicians and people in the audience. And, and then they turned to, to Albert Pierpoint and said, now, Albert, no one knows more about this than you because you in your time have, have uh, executed over 400 people. And he said, well, just let me stop you there, if you don't mind, young man, for a minute. I've never executed anybody. I've gone to the jails and gone to the prison cell and the cell door is open, and the Queen's executioner has entered the cell and has carried out the uh, the execution on behalf of the, of the courts. And then the ex- Queen's executioner has left the cell, and I've walked out of the prison and gone home. And I thought, wow, yeah. that's how you've done it. That's yeah. the, that's how your brain has coped with the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And I became so. So Ray Winston says, "Yeah, we should do something about Pierpoint." So we go away and write a script about Pierpoint, and it's quite, you know, it's all a bit eclectic. Blah blah blah. We write the script, we give it to the script. We get, I give him the script, and he invite. He says, "Come and have lunch," and we got the Ivy, tastes the Ivy, and says, "I read this script. It's brilliant." I didn't know it was so cerebral. All the thinking that goes into it, all this brilliant. It's a brilliant script. It's fabulous. Not for me. So I said, really? Nah, it's not for me. It's, it's not what I thought, really. It's, it's not. And bless his heart. It was a terrible, cheeky thing to say to him. But I said, Ray, did you think he went into Wormwood Scrubs with four snooker balls in a sock? What was your talk? And he said, well, you're taking a piss, boy. But yeah, that, I had that more in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you kill someone, I'm gonna nut you. So, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but what a what a what a chance to play something like that. And and in fact, the of course, the what came to came to pass was Timothy, Timothy Spall. Spall. I mean, wow, absolutely fantastic performance. And did you get any nominations or or, or any awards for that? Was it no, 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 we didn't. And I'll tell you for why. Wow. Granada, Granada made two films that year. See? And you have to understand that you only get awards if your your publicity department goes into overdrive and pushes. Yes, yes, of course. They made two films that year that came out at the same time. One was uh, my peer point with Timothy Spall. The other was The Queen with Helen Mirren. Oh, oh all right, okay. So every all the budget for publicity kind of went into that, and quite rightly, and that won a lot, a lot, a lot of awards, which we probably wouldn't have won anyway because it's quite a macabre uh, subject. It is an absolutely phenomenal piece, Jonathan. If you've not watched it, and I urge oh. everyone listening to, it is absolutely. I mean, it is macabre. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But it's a fantastic. It's a bit. I love the Bob. Is the when he, you, the penny drops in your own head. 
that he's trying to break these records, you know, of the yeah. people that he's, that he's murdering, you know. And even though these people are evil, deemed to be evil, blah blah blah, but you know, he, there is one person doing that at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And I don't want to spoil it, but it's and it's beautifully shot. Who directed it? Uh, Adrian Shergold, I think. Beautifully, yeah. beautifully. It's yeah. very dark and shot shadowy, and it's it's lovely. It's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful. Anyway, film. anyway. let's get let's let's get back to Ashton Gate and. Millwall. Well, I talk about Ray. Win- <laughs> Ray win- one more on Ray Winston, right? When he talks about football, I will listen to him. There's not all actors or people in show business when nah. they talk about football. I'll listen to because yeah. they they attach themselves, and it's for other reasons. Ray's genuine West Ham to his, you know, in, yeah, in, in his blood. And uh, so I, I listen to what he says and uh, I, I've never met him, you know. He's Shall a, I ask a... him if he'll come on? Yeah, or, or uh, I don't I don't really care about the podcast, Terry. What I'm more interested in is if he's going to ask me down the pub at the bottom of his <laughs> oh, garden. Yeah, come down the pub at the bottom. It was up the road to me. So, all right, I'll, 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 get, I'll get on the case and see if You know, they, they say don't ever meet your heroes. One of my heroes in oh, life. Oh, no, he's lovely. You'll love him. One of, my, one of my heroes in life is Rod Stewart, right? And people might yeah, say, oh, what a lovely God, man. Anyway, so I've, I've, I'm talking to my missus once, and I said, they say you never... You should never meet your uh, your heroes. And I said, no, no, Rod Stewart. You know, I'm not too sure whether whether or not he'd live up to my you know my my dreams of him. But you met him? No, I've never met him. No, 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 no. Remember? And I've got a friend called Ray and his wife Cherry, and they do music promoting, and they promoted Rod's tour, right? She said, yeah, 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 yeah. Ray and Cherry got us tickets behind to the VIP bar afterwards. The post the, when a few years back. No, I never met Rod Stewart. Yeah, you were talking to him for an hour about football. <laughs> and I went, no. God, I must have been absolutely oh, hammered. I must have been hammered or very, very nervous because I can't remember any of it. See, when we were talking about in bed with me dinner, I went I went on with you, Bob, didn't you? You got me on. And I was so I don't know what I was like on the television because I was so nervous meeting you. And I was so nervous being on that program. It was either that program or the Heroes program you did. I can't remember. You had me on. And... It's funny, isn't it? When you do these things, it's strange things. I could do match of the day, seven and a half million people every week, but I can't see them, so it doesn't bother me. If I go, well, Terry, you know this. Mm. If I go on stage to do something for our charity, the Lily Foundation, I'll be sick beforehand. I'll tell you what you did, I'm sick in the toilet beforehand. <laughs> you did a programme, I used to do a programme at LWT called There's Only One Brian Moore. And that's oh, that's it, yeah. And that was a wonderful programme because what they had, this is actual under the, it's gone now, the LWT building on the South yeah. Bank, but they had a big basement, sub-basement and a basement. And it was literally full of, it's like a massive, like the British Library, but full of tapes. And they said, any tape down here you can use in, your, in one of your shows. And there were all the uh, the big match ones with Brian Moore. Oh, lovely! So we put together a show where we brought we, we showed we had an audience and we showed 10, 15 minutes of two matches from Brian Moore. Just played them out. But then we had players. Uh, we had a celebrity fan and we had a player and a manager who'd been involved in those games. Oh, and brilliant! It, it was a very good show because footballers now you can't get a word out of them. Because they're no. very media savvy, they know. Mm, oh no, mm, no, mm, I'm not going to say anything that, about him because he may be my manager next mm, season. Mm. But players from the old days will, will will say absolutely anything. We had some wonderful, wonderful things. The the, the the one I remember more than anyone was uh, Malcolm McDonald was on. <laughs> Malcolm McDonald was on, and somebody was talked about the Orient semi final, and they said. Yeah, because uh, those two goals that you claimed, Malcolm, <laughs> and people laugh at each other. And there was a gap of about two minutes, and Malcolm said, "Sorry, sorry, what are you talking about? The two games, the two goals I claimed." And they said, "Well, they were both re- rebounds. One went off someone's back, and the other one went off Glenn Roder's knee, and they went in." But you, cla- no, excuse me, <laughs> you will find if you look at the record book that those two goals were both scored by Malcolm McDonald. It doesn't matter who hit them. And he, he got so irate. <laughs> and people said, mate, we're just having a laugh with you. Well, I don't find it funny. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, this is, you're disparaging my reputation as a goal scorer. Yeah. And it's, it's, no, we're, we're, we're encouraging your reputation as a claimer of goals. That's all we're doing, Mel. I'll tell you what, I played in a few charity matches with uh, Peter Beardsley, right? And he's, he, on the similar subject of what you're saying, he would play like he was Saturday afternoon against flipping Premier League opposition. 
He used to get so mad at the referee and stuff. He'd been thinking, Mate, it's just a charity match. Right, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan it's mentioned... Not, it's in him. Not, you mentioned Norman Hunter. He was at Bristol City. Yeah. Alan Clark told me this. Sorry, no, no. Duncan McKenzie told me told this story on that program with Brian Moore. He said he, he, he got invited to the Maracana in Brazil to play for an England veterans, England veterans team. So we was all in our, not, not old, but late 30s, early 40s. And there was a big match at the Maracana. And we got treated, my God, he said we got flown out first class. And we said these beautiful hotels. And then we go out on the pitch and it's full. The Maracana's full because we're the pre-game to the big game they've come to see. And we're playing against uh, Gerson, I think, was playing for them. And Jairzinho was probably in the team. And I was there. Duncan, uh, he said, and, and Norman was playing. Norman Hunter was playing. He said, and after, in the second half, they took off a few of their players and they brought on some younger players. He said, and they brought on a kid who I think, he said, I might be wrong, but it was, I think it was a very young Ronaldinho or Ronaldo. Oh. was one of the players who went on to become. It was very young. He said, and he, he got the ball and he, he put his foot on it and he, he, he jiggled about for a minute and then he nutmegged Norman and went round him and carried on. He said, whoa, la la la, all the fans are going. He said about two minutes later, he got the ball again, he put his foot on it and he did a little jiggle and Norman went in on the back of his leg. <laughs> so he, he, he spanned, the kid spanned through the air and landed on his back. He said, and the stadium was completely silent and the ref was looking like, what do I do here? He said, he said, and Duncan McKenzie said, I went over and Norman said, Norm, mate, look how we've been treated here. This is, it's a celebrity football match, which is, you can't take it. He said, Norman Hunter turned to me and said, you can jump over as many minis as you want, Duncan, but you never made it in England because you let people take the piss. <laughs> He, he, he came to Bristol City, right? And uh, Alan Dix brought him down. He brought Terry Cooper down. And, uh, they, and early early in his first full season, Norman, they played Stoke and uh, Ashton Gate, right? And a very, very young Garth Crooks. A very, very young Garth Crooks in the Stoke side. He dropped deep and he started juggling the ball in the centre circle. Norman's 20 yards from him. He starts juggling the ball back to Norman, back to Norman. And there was a run-up. And the crowd literally went, ooh, <laughs> bang. He hit Garth so hard, you know, he virtually ended up in the Bristol Rovers ground. And he, he had that he had that effect. And he, he became a Bristol City's deadly weapon with a set piece. <laughs> right, 30 yards out. Norman, no record of it at least, so no one would be... Norman sent these screamers from 30 yards. And we were so thick, the supporters... We gave it away then, didn't we? So he's then playing another, another team three weeks down. There was no television. No one had seen these things. So Norman's again stood 25 yards. He's not going to take the free kick. The opposition aren't expecting Norman to take the free kick. And then the crowd picked Norman, 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 Norman. <laughs> Give it away. And the free kick was absolutely shy. But um, yeah, he was um, he was lovely, you know. He was, he was so... He was so different off the pitch than he was on and uh, sadly missed. And uh, it's coming up for 50 years since Bristol City went to Leeds United and Don Reeves Leeds who were unbeaten that season, top of the league. Mm. And it was FA Cup tie. It was during the minor strike. So the replay, 1-1 at Ashton Gate, the replay was played at Ellen Road on a Tuesday afternoon because there was no floodlights allowed. And they won 1-0 up there. And uh, I've talked about it before on the podcast. There's loads of st st stories I could tell about that day. Most of the Bristol City team are still around. Very few of the Leeds. And I, I just think it would be... A, I've always wanted to do a, a documentary on it. So if someone's watching this and wants to put up the money and, and help me do it, the, the tie that everyone forgot. It's the tie that everyone forgot. It was one of the greatest cup upsets of all time. Lowly second-tier team beats the best team in Europe. 1-0 in the replay. Afternoon, miners' strike. The whole That whole story can be told. Uh. And, you know, no, someone will nick the idea now and do it and I won't get it, but... It's just, I think, that it's just, that's coming up 50 years. Anyway, that's another You could Bristol do that City with story. footage, though. If you've got the newsreels and footage and stuff, you could do it, if you, unless you want to do it as an acting piece. No, I mean, the Bristol City boys are still around. Jeff Merrick, Tom Ritchie, yeah. Donnie well, Gillies, all it, that. It, lot, it so. would be, yeah. uh, I'll, if you want to do it, we'll talk after this, because I think we could do that. 
I tell you, it's just, it's just a fun, really weird thing about that. And even at the time I was doing that Brian Moore program, it struck me. Alan Clark was on, I think Norman did it. Um, quite a few of those players who, who were still around, because 30 years ago now, a lot were still around. They, and these big men, these big blokes, are all referred to Mr. Revy. Mm. No, mm. I, remember Mr. I remember Mr. Revy saying to me, and I remember someone else. I think Bill. There's an Everton thing on, and Bill Kenwright was on as a as a uh, as as a celebrity guest. And I remember him saying, "What's it? Why is he still calling Mr. Revy? Because that was his name. Yeah. You mean Don? No, no, I don't mean Don. I mean Mr. Revy. And it was incredible. These fifty, sixty-year-old men who still looked at this guy with such awe that, that yeah. they still couldn't couldn't bring themselves to use his first name. You see, Cloughy being interviewed, he calls him Mister Revy as well, doesn't he? I don't know if he's being yeah. sarcastic, but he goes, "Yeah, Mr. he would have been." Yeah, they, they yeah. Like each other. But the, when, I when, wanted to do what you do, but I wanted to do it better. <laughs> Yeah. When he was a uh, England manager, or he might have still have been at least, I don't know. Anyway, he came down to Bristol City. I was a teen, and we were, we all had to go, and, and we sat down in front, sat down in front of the first teamers. It was in the supporters club where the woman in charge of the supporters club was a wonderfully named Beryl Fudge. Anyway, so oh, we Beryl sat down Fudge again. Beryl she's Fudge. Back. Anyway, she's back. Uh, God bless her soul, Beryl Fudge. We turn a Beryl Fudge, Fudge onto the podcast. Anyway, so and they said, um, you know, you'll be able to ask questions later on. And the first teamers said. Don't ask questions, boys, because we're missing pub time if you do. Now, he gets to the end and he's gone, any questions? So I put my hand, ask a question. I get a kick from a first-teamer in the pit of my back. Anyway, so I asked a question, he answered it, and then any more questions? So I put my hand up again, two kicks, you know, and a word in my ear, you ruin our pub time, son. Anyway, so he answered the question. That should be the end of the story. A couple of weeks later, we were at Boothbury Park and I was up there. We just travel on the first team bus, my, my dad and I doing this filming. And uh, I helped get the skip off into the dressing room and then had to wait outside. And there's a, like an area down the back of the main stand at Old Boothbury Park. That's where the coach used to come down. And I'm stood there outside the door to the Bristol City dressing room. And this man comes down, camel coat on. It's Don Reavy. And all these kids are running around him trying to get autographs. And he just looks straight at me. And they're all running around, you know, around him. And, and he comes up to me and he goes, oh, you are the lad who asked the questions at Ashton Gate. And Don Reavy stood and talked to me for about half an hour. All these kids are looking at me as if I'm, you know, someone special, which mm-hmm. I wasn't. But it just made, Don Reavy made me feel 20 feet tall. And I think that's what he did to his players. Oh, you know who our version is good. of that, Jonathan? The comedy, you know the comedy version of that is? Monkhouse. Yeah. Really? I would... Yeah, uh, Monkhouse stopped me once in a corridor at Lenton Lane, uh, Central Television, Nottingham. And I was, he, he was walking down with someone, and I sort of walked past. And, I'd gone, I stood past, and he turned around and said, Bob, Bob Mills. And I said, I, I, you know, Mr. Monkhouse. And he, he started talking about something that he'd seen. Yes. I saw you do that thing. I thought, yes. And, and at, one point, at one point said, and that punchline, I, personally, I'd have left it longer, but you do it the way you do it. And it was yes. like, yes, Jesus. Wow. It's unbelievable. Monkhouse did that to me as well. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? He was Terry Alderton. And you turn around and go, oh, my God, Bob Monkhouse, right? <laughs> and, I, and I go, oh, Bob, you're the governor. And he, I remember him saying to me, no, you're the governor now, Terry. You're the governor now. You know, he, he he was just wonderful, known about everyone, wasn't he? He was he, a gorgeous human being, Bob Monkhouse, man. Yeah. I mean, really. And he knew his stuff, yeah. But anyway, look, a time uh, um, um, Try, go I on, know, go on. I know. Jonathan, you mentioned Mrs. Fudge. Yeah. <laughs> Beryl. Beryl. Okay, I don't think it was Beryl. I think it might have been her sister. There was a terrible uh, romantic thing that happened, is that her, her son... <laughs> She had a son. It would have been. It would have been Beryl's nephew. <laughs> what are you laughing at? It's quite a sad story. It's quite a sad story. Became engaged to a to a, a quite big gun athlete from the from the nineteen sixties, and they were going to get married. But she wanted to keep her maiden name like a, a double barreled name. But uh, and he didn't agree to it. He said no, and that's why he didn't marry Ann Packer, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, me back. Hold me back. You hurt me back. 
Look, we got we got to go. We got to oh, go. Dear. I don't want to go. Uh, this has been brilliant. We'll, we'll do it again. We'll get you back on. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> you can you can get us on Twitter. Don't forget, we're at JPNT Football. Uh, we've been on with the mighty Bob <laughs> Mills. I'm so sorry. I don't think we've ever. Can, I, think can we've I use ever... that? Can I use that line on match of the day? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you must. Oh, join us next week when we've got. I don't know. Oh, I think we're we're going to be on Tuesday next week because uh, Jonathan Sally's got uh, uh, things going on. But we'll be back. Thank we'll you ever so back. much, Bob. Thanks, Brilliant. Bob. Thank you. Thank you so much. Been Thanks for listening, pleasure. everyone. Cheers. Bye. Join Acast with a three-month free trial using the code SMAR, that's S-M-A. Just visit go.acast.com slash join. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.